Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marsley. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marsley. Thank you for joining us again this week. We have a very exciting episode. We are talking to an exchange student from Italy who is blind, uh, who's been in Canada for a few months. Uh, Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And I'm excited to have Keisha as my co-host today because Keisha also has done exchange program things. I don't know if it was an exchange program, but traveled to Australia. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back, Keisha. Hi, thanks so much. And then, of course, way back many years ago, like 20 plus years ago, I also did uh, an internship abroad and worked at a school for the blind for six months. So I feel like we all have this thing in common of being blind and traveling far, far away from home by ourselves, which is not something you hear every day. So I'm really excited to connect with you both and kind of talk more about what that experience has been like. Sarah, can you tell us how much vision you have? Do you have any Um, vision? Yeah, I have... um... I have not a so good vision, actually. Um, I can see the shades or the colors, and I can see the light, but uh, I cannot uh, read from something um, on paper. I have to use the computer, and I have to use Braille. And um, I I have a good vision of um, what is around me, but definitely, I mean, I am considered... uh, officially blind so yeah I can Mm -hmm. see the light and the shades and the colors but Mm -hmm. this is pretty all okay do you use a white cane yeah right okay cool awesome I feel like people know Keisha and me (laughs) (laughs) in our level of vision so I was curious to know kind of why you both wanted to go abroad Uh, what attracted you to your experiences I guess actually before we get into that Keisha um maybe remind me (laughs) was it a school exchange thing or was it like what was your Australia how did that come about so it was a semester long study abroad um in my second year of university yeah (laughs) okay and Sarah you're in high school correct yeah I am in grade 12 Okay. And it was, how many months have you been in Canada? Yeah, it is a semester too. It was a semester. Okay. So yeah. What attracted you guys to this opportunity? Like how did, was this something you always wanted to do? Was it, I mean, it's kind of crazy to just be like, Hey, I think I'm going to go to another country and do a semester of school. How did that come about? Why don't we start with you, Sarah? 
well, actually, uh, the first time that I have um, known that, that there was this opportunity, I was in the first year of high school and uh, an older student uh, told me that he spent um, six months in New Zealand. And I thought, I, I thought, oh, my God, I have to do it. Um, <laughs> first of all, because I really wanted to improve my um, autonomy and my independence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, want, I wanted uh, to learn English because my English has never been awesome. <laughs> so, um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel that to be far away from home and to feel that you have to deal with everything by yourself is something that uh, gives a so strong feeling of freedom, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to experience that. So cool. Um, so first year of high school, you got the bug, the travel bug. <laughs> you wanted to do this. That's, that's very young. Uh, what about yeah. you, Keisha? How did this come to be for you? Um, going to Australia, like, uh, traveling abroad to Australia has been a dream of mine for a very long time. And, uh, like I kind of grew up hearing lots about it and, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know, it was always, it always attracted me to go there and, uh, yeah. And I honestly, actually, uh, I, I go to, I go to, uh, Thompson rivers university in, um, in the interior bc here and the uh part of the reason i chose this school actually was because of the study abroad program Mm. um and how like supported supportive they are and and uh just like a whole bunch of factors kind of played into that and um similar to sarah like I, i i wanted to explore i wanted to to push my limits to see what i could what i was capable of and uh i just thought it would be a really exciting adventure and um and checking out this country that I, that I'd always wanted to go to, it was, it was a big, it was just a big dream. And I, and I'm, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of work to get there, but it was so like worth it. (laughs) So had either of you known anybody who was blind, who had done anything crazy like this before you did it? Um, yeah, uh, I am the second uh, young girl in uh, my country in Italy that uh, study that I've studied abroad in, mm. I mean, the second in, in general in my country. And the first one was a very, very close friend of mine who spent six months in, in, um, in France. Okay. So you knew it was possible. <laughs> well, actually, no, because she is only one year um older than me and um, she has not had a uh, super teacher or uh, um, the a- accessible materials for her school she was in a very bad um, condition respect to my condition in 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 canada that is very mm. very good actually oh. i mean yeah she went in a school that uh, absolutely did not know how to deal with a blind student and uh, uh, that did not give her all the support that she need that she needed to study um so you okay so you had heard about her experience and that it wasn't positive but you still signed up for this yeah with a different association 
Yeah, that's impressive. Okay. Um, what about you, Keisha? Well, um, I mean, I knew you had done something similar. Uh, and right. I, and I get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was part of Black Beginnings for you know years and years, um, and uh, but I, I mean, I didn't know a ton. I, I don't think I really knew like a ton of people who who had really done it. Um, uh, definitely, it was like trailblazing, uh, particularly for this school that I'm attending. Um, I didn't know of a lot of other like people with disabilities who were from this particular like school who had gone on a study abroad excursion or whatever I'm sure that there have been but I yeah. yeah um and uh so yeah it was there was a lot of like breaking trail like there because with study abroad with my institution there's kind of like a step-by-step process that they help you through like there's a lot of support but there's a whole bunch of things that as Sarah probably totally knows and you know, like there's a whole bunch of extra stuff we have to put in place to make sure that we can be successful Mm -hmm. when we're in, when we're abroad. And of course, you know, that's not uh, a natural thing to address in um, the average study abroad step-by-step. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of learning and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing how much more complicated it would be studying versus a work internship because, um, I mean, for me, I had, I had a friend who was blind, who had done the program the year before me, or maybe two years before me. And I remember thinking, wow, he's so brave. I could never do anything like that. And then event, you know, a year later, when, however long later I was convinced to apply, but I was terrified, but I didn't have to worry about things like making sure I had books in alternate format or, you know, even learning my way around a campus because I was working at a school for the blind. Um, the internship was set up through CNIB and the, the prevent or the federal government. So because CNIB was involved, there were certain factors that were considered on my behalf. So, but you guys, you're just like, yeah, you're dealing with your schools who probably aren't familiar with all the things you're going to need. So was there like resistance when you applied to do this? Were there people at the schools that were worried about you or didn't think this was a good idea? Anybody told you, no, I don't think so. Um, well, um, I don't know if for the university it's the same, but uh, um, to be an exchange student in the high school, you have to you have to um, go through a through an association, and there are many different associations that give this service, right? This possibility to study abroad. I had to go. I had to go through fifteen different associations to find my my association, um, the association that I came here with, uh, that is Victoria Language and Culture. And that was the only one that um, gave me the opportunity to study abroad. All the others uh, uh, told me that I could not, uh, that they were uh, not able to give me assistance or accessible books or a super teacher or, or, or also an host family because a lot of people are so scared by what they don't know. And a lot mm-hmm. of people would not uh, 
take the responsibility, I mean quotations, uh, because it's not an actual responsibility to have a blind student in their in their house. So yes. Wow. Mm. 15. Wow. 15. Yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> what about you, Keisha? Well, that's that sounds like a lot of work and mm-hmm. like pushback. Um, so I found that like my program was, uh, my study abroad program was pretty supportive and, um, accepting and, um, the institution that I went to in Australia was also, um, pretty like the, I, basically I was dealing with mainly the disability services at that institution. Um, and the like, um, international like student coordinator or whatever. And, uh, and they were pretty, they were pretty open and like willing to work together on accommodations. Granted, as it is with a lot of things in university, a lot of it is self-driven. So if you aren't, um, you know, you have to really plan ahead and you have to really think through everything because a lot of these, um, you know, people don't really know what you need. Um, they, they, they have maybe an idea, um, but really you are the best judge of what you need and you're the best advocate for yourself. So you have to be really prepared to kind of argue that or just really be a strong self-advocate. And um, so I'd say that was like the main, the main push was just like real, figuring out like, what did I need for this? How was I going to acquire the things that I needed and like the supports? And resources and um, like how would my resources from university here like transfer over to there that sort of stuff was a bit like you know was was quite a bit of legwork um, and then like mostly people were like my family was supportive and, and mostly people like my friends and stuff were, were like on board and supportive and awesome like you you get the you get people though of course who are like oh, you're blind. Like, how are you going to do that? Like, I don't know if you should do that. Like, that seems unsafe. I don't know. Like, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. The usual kind of deal. But, um, you know, that's just, that's just when you put your foot down, you're like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, here's how we're, here's how I'm going to do it. I remember my parents saying to me when I told them I was going to do this, my mom was kind of like, why? why why do you want to do this like I don't understand you know why would you purposely do something so challenging I think is what she meant um Sarah how did your family respond when you said you wanted to do this my family was very concerned but they were concerned not because I am blind but but because I am an Italian daughter I mean I am their child I could be 75 years old, but the, I would be their child. So, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my parents uh, didn't uh, believe that uh, I was going to do that uh, until maybe the day before or the morning uh, when they dra- drove me to the airport. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Uh, yeah, but they always supported me and they, I am so grateful because they have, they have never thought about me as a blind person. They, <laughs> they have always uh, teached me that uh, I have to consider myself a an able person and then I have to deal with everything that is about my disability but first of all I have to do what I want to do without to think 
oh my god, I am blind. I could have more problems than other people because. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say right up until they took you to the airport and my I remember my dad at the airport saying it's not too late to change your mind <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god my mama told that too yeah she was like you can change your mind you can yeah. come at home with us and I was like mid-20s like I wasn't in high school I can only imagine <laughs> <laughs> Keisha was your family scared for you um <laughs> You know, I think they were nervous. It, it was big. Like it was big. Um, you know, I, Sarah, your 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 situation. I feel like you're like it's even braver and like um, big because um, because you're going to an English speaking country and your English mm. is amazing. Um, but like I went to, I'm an English speaker. Like that's my first language, and I went to an English speaking country. Yeah, um, that helps so, a like, lot. It did help a lot. <laughs> But still, it was big because I was going to the other side of the world mm-hmm. and I'd never been outside of North America and I'd never really lived farther than an hour away from my family. So um, and they they are supportive and they were fantastic, but I'm sure they were nervous. Uh, I know they were nervous. They were, you know, like I remember them being like, well, you know, what if this happens or what if this happens, you know, like kind of hashing out like situations. And I was like, well, this is, you know, how I would react to this and etc cetera, etc cetera. and um you know i still can you know the beautiful thing about technology is we'll still be in touch and mm-hmm. um i'll make sure to update you and everything but but yeah i i definitely um i definitely like am gr- am grateful for their support uh it it was yeah yeah about the language i mean my other father is australian and i can say that the australian accent is scaring so <laughs> I can understand. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Actually, maybe it was a different language. <laughs> that's funny. In England, too, every, like, depending on which region of the UK you're from, everyone sounds a little bit different and some accents were harder to understand than others but yes I mean it's still English though right like yeah and I was I was in the uh I was in this country town called Wagga Wagga in New South Wales and it's like it's so funny because a lot of people go to Australia to be close to the ocean I happened to choose a (laughs) campus that was actually nowhere near the ocean (laughs) (laughs) um and uh it is deep like kind of very much country like kind of sort of australia like it was a bigger country town but it was still country and uh definitely there is you know people from you know quite in quite in the country who had uh, thicker accents that but eventually i stopped hearing the accent it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. yeah so when you were kind of considering this what sort of things were you both worried about I, I remember I was really worried about how I would eat like such a basic thing, but how am I going to find, how am I going to get groceries? <laughs> like, how do, will I know where the grocery store is? How will I get assistance to get what I need? How will I get from the grocery store back to my home? Like all these things, that was a really big concern for me, but what kind of concerns did you guys have? Um, I I am a very impulsive person, so I didn't have so many cons- concernations. But when I came here, I started to have uh, I started mm-hmm. to have uh, um, yeah concernations. Um, like um, um, one of my biggest 
challenges has been to maybe make friends because mm-hmm. um, I mean, um, just uh, to be in a big group of people and uh, maybe to not be able to do what everybody is doing or for example to have to meet uh, um, a group of uh, people somewhere and uh, to not see them to not see where they are and uh, to know that uh, they don't know you so well to understand what you need yeah Um, so the social aspect has been a very big deal for me a very big problem for me but then I I started to be more confident but uh, this is this is um, for sure something that I had to uh, faith with. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it's brave, like traveling during the pandemic too. Like, did that throw extra challenges in? Um, oh yeah, I I can I, I in this moment I cannot leave my I cannot leave Canada because of the pandemic. Oh, no. um, I, I have had the COVID uh, two weeks ago, and uh, my association is scared uh, um, that uh, if I would do a test in this moment, I would uh, result positive. So my um, my flight uh, has been uh, changed, has been deleted because of this situation. Oh. And yeah, yeah, for sure, uh, uh, COVID has uh, has been a, a big problem, but. Yeah, uh, it is what it is because yeah. I wanted to do this experience now. So mm-hmm. well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you were able to still have do it. I was just thinking about this before we started this. I can remember um, specifically like one night just laying in bed and thinking, "Oh my gosh! Like, how am I gonna? How am I gonna figure out orientation and mobility? Like, just the whole thing. Like, um." like of my of my area and like who do I even go to for O&M instruction and like um like how am I gonna like figure out my campus and um I don't know also I was I was a you know one of the I was a Canadian being all scared and thinking you know what if I accidentally step on a snake or something (laughs) oh yeah I'd totally be scared of that (laughs) yeah what if I encounter like a spider I don't know um, and I just don't see it. And then I like, you know, sit on it or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh... oh, For sure. This must be a, a very important problem, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I remember thinking like, oh, how is this going to work? Like, uh, particularly with the O&M, like I, um, the, 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 the venomous creatures thing was less on the brain, but uh, also because it, it like, as we know, like with with cities, big cities, it's typically easier to get around because transit is pretty uh, typically pretty good um, in like bigger uh, city settings. But I was going to be going to this town and and our campus was kind of out in the countryside and it was quite spread out. And it's not a huge population of students, but a big um, spreading campus like sprawling and um lots of like agricultural students and and classes and um yeah so um and I remember so like I remember just thinking like okay this is gonna like I'm gonna really need to work on on making sure I have these things in place before I travel um and like you know really trying to to track down these resources and stuff like that 
Yeah. I, I remember, I mean, we got, I got picked up at the airport and, and driven to the school, but then it was a Friday afternoon and everybody left and I didn't know anything. And that first weekend, cause my job started Monday morning, that first weekend was kind of like, I guess I'm not leaving the building. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know. I think, and I had a roommate, uh, she was from Alberta, so I didn't know her previous to getting there, but we at least had each other Mm -hmm. to kind of bumble our way around. She was also visually impaired, but yeah, that whole, like, how are like that, the whole, yeah. How do I get food? Uh, That was a big one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and, and I remember, um, like when I, when I did manage to arrange orientation and mobility instruction um, uh, with the, like with the help of like um, disability services on that campus and actually guide dogs of Australia was, was the organization that helped me. I didn't even have a guide dog back then. I was still a white cane user, but they were, they just were supporting mm, people like cool. that um, if, if necessary. And I remember being just so grateful at this at just the presence of that O&M instructor walking up and being like hey like we're let's like we're gonna work on some roots and I, and what do you need and I was just like like it was like water in a drought I just remember mm-hmm. being like this like I'm I couldn't be more grateful for this like for you giving me the independence to to navigate this campus and help me like just settle into this this setting and um and figure out like how I can get to like the dining hall get to my classes which were like a 20 minute walk away um across like a giant hill and stuff and how you know how can I get to all these places and um and I've never even seen this campus before I just remember being so grateful to see this person yeah yeah did you know it's like plus 40 weather that day that we were doing um O&M and I was just like I didn't even care I was just like please let's work and just keep and let's like nail these roots down like we're gonna we're gonna get there were you staying in residence Keisha or with a family or what was your living situation I was living in residence on campus which was really really helpful right this is one of my biggest dream, like to live in a camp in a campus with a lot of other students. It must be amazing. Yeah, it's a great way to make friends as well, and just like yeah, yeah. yeah. So now that you're coming to the end of your time here, Sarah and Keisha, when you reflect back, what was the hardest part? So like, there's all the things you worried about, but what what was the most challenging? I guess you mentioned the socializing Sarah yeah um, was was it mobility for you Keisha or was it something else hmm um I mean th- there was a lot of things like that de- yeah like O&M was definitely challenging but I kind of expected it to be like it mm-hmm. was um it's just kind of part and parcel of of the whole thing when you're visually impaired in a new setting um I think I don't know. Yeah. I think like, um, like there was like a period of time where I like went through like the homesick stage and Mm -hmm. like, I'm kind of missing that missing home, like kind of being like, Hmm, even though like this was my dream and everything it wasn't like, I also had like an amazing time and I'm so glad that I did it. Like it it didn't definitely didn't detract from my, from my time, but I remember it being kind of like tricky and yeah. uh, And then just like, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think 
probably though like navigating and whatnot and uh was was probably one of the most challenging parts I was reflecting on that for myself and I I was I think it was just the first week or two of like not knowing anybody yet and not knowing anything yet about how things work here or where things are or how to access things and learning my way around. And I remember like the first couple of weeks of my job, like being in the staff room and nobody was really talking to me very much. And like, I just had to, I had to figure it out. And then, you know, once I got in the groove, but then I was there over Christmas and that was kind of hard to be away from my family. I remember calling home and I could hear all the chaos at my grandparents' house. And I was, you know, I was not there and just like, there were moments definitely. Sarah, have you been homesick? I have been homesick the first month, Mm -hmm. um, but not at Christmas. I don't know why. I have been very, 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 very homesick the first month, but a lot. Mm. (laughs) But um, um, I mean, then I started to think that my family is waiting for me and I will I will meet them soon and I am doing this experience that I love. But um, for the first month, it was very, very hard for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that initial part is probably the hardest because like you're like you get there. It's like the first like initial time is, is really exciting because it's like, oh, it's so novel. And then it's almost like a couple days in it's like that's when it, I, for me like, I think that's mm. when it started where I was like ah like there's there's a lot of things to, there's still things to organize and still settling in it's not no friends yet and and just mm-hmm. like kind of figuring it out right and, and I think yeah. that's transition period I couldn't figure out how to work the computers like this was back before the days <laughs> when I had my own computer I was bringing with me so it was like there was a library with all these computers but I couldn't log on because I didn't have a password and I didn't even I think I figured out how to make a collect call from a payphone eventually but like I couldn't even communicate with my people back home and I hadn't met anybody yet so yeah that first weekend was tough but it it got so much better Mm-hmm. Um, so did you notice a difference in how people who are blind or partially sighted are treated in, you know, where you, in your visiting country from your home country? Did you notice a difference? Well, yes and no. People always look at me as I, um, people look at me as an alien, I don't know. As an alien? Like okay. That, yeah. Something that they don't know and they are scared from. Or <laughs> something that is amazing, so mm. new, so different. But yeah, uh, definitely at the first moment, people are pretty strange. And uh, this is international, I think. Okay. I actually did not note the different behavior between Italian uh, people or Canadian people to deal with me, to, mm-hmm. to speak with me or um, interact with me. But it's the first moment, right? It's maybe the first week or two, and then you they start to understand that you are a human being and that, and mm-hmm. that you are not a strange type of animal that they have to study so (laughs) (laughs) yes 
yeah it's no i didn't uh, no i didn't um noted the particular particular differences mm. how about you keisha i mean i agree with sarah that um there's always that uh you know um either there's like discomfort or like over enthusiasm and then sometimes you get these really cool people who just don't care and they just are um they just accept you mm. <laughs> and yeah. i'm such a breath of fresh air but mm-hmm. um uh i i think that uh basically the way um visually impaired and blind people are viewed in australia is the same pretty much to here uh we share a lot of similarities I, I think that the resources in Australia for visually impaired people seem to be pretty good, um, seem to be pretty like strong. They have like pretty supportive organizations from what I could tell, like Vision Australia and Guide Dogs of Australia and um, other, you know, I don't even know. I, I didn't even tap into as far as I probably could have. But um, and being uh, being not um, an international like non-citizen, like they're there's a little bit less that you can tap into mm-hmm. um but still like uh i was grateful for the support from those organizations um yeah <laughs> yeah i mean for me i was at a school for the blind again so it's like it was pretty I, I didn't really have to adjust and i didn't even really get a sense of how the british folks would would respond to blindness because I was immersed in it, but when I went back later to visit and traveled around on my own around the UK a little bit more, I did feel like I did feel a difference. I felt like there was more, oh my gosh, you're, you're by yourself. Like, (laughs) like it was more shocking. I remember one incident in a train station where they, this man left me at the elevator, but it was out of service and he wouldn't he wouldn't take me down to the platform, down the stairs or the escalator. He, so he ran off to get help with the elevator, but I figured out there was an escalator just beside me. So I ran down the escalator and, and then he came, he found me and he was like, no blind person should be running down an escalator, but I was trying to catch my train. <laughs> and I knew that I was going to be late if I waited. So yeah, I, I was a bit of a rebel, I guess, as a blind traveler in the UK. <laughs> at that time <laughs> when i was to the frankfurt airport uh, to came here uh the guide told me to stay um to stay in in the gate just mm-hmm. to wait for my for my flight and then she completely forgot that she had to <sighs> she had to help me and i w- i was with other uh, four guys that that uh, uh, that told me if we don't go, we will lose. We will miss the, the plane. Mm. And uh, we moved to go on the plane. And uh, at one point, I listened, uh, I heard the, the speaker, like the, the radio, yeah. the, that called me in German. I, <laughs> I understood only my name. <laughs> and then I uh, 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 speaking in German and I was like, okay, what I am supposed to do in this moment? <laughs> yeah, oh, well, that's and- like my worst fear being forgotten by the person that's assisting. Oh, well, and like, sometimes I feel like, like similar to both, <laughs> like you just, sometimes you just have to just be like, okay, I'm going to take control of this and just like 
go because yeah. <laughs> because like I you know it, sometimes people are like really good at following through and then sometimes you're kind of an afterthought so you might as well just get her done <laughs> <laughs> yes as best you can unless you're like trying to go through like LAX airport or something and you're just like holy smokes like even sighted people have trouble like figuring out where to go mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh my god well some of the airports in Europe too it, it's like different buildings that you have to take a tram from one to the other. I think Frankfurt is like that. It, it's yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of airports in Europe are very huge and very chaotic. And so. if you don't speak the language, it's like, yeah, I, that adds another element, right? What if I need to ask for help and I can't communicate that? that that's stressful. <laughs> so I asked about the challenges, but what, what have been the best parts of this experience for you both um my the best part of my experience has been also the social life (laughs) because Mm. it has been very very difficult but then when I made friends uh, I really enjoyed the the time that I spent with them and then and that I am spending with them now Mm. so yeah definitely it is that's nice I would I think, agree. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go first. <laughs> I was going to, yeah, I, I also, I mean, one of my, one of the things I wrote down as my favorite moment was just the people I met such an interesting range of people that it was, that I never would have if without that experience. So I can relate to that. Yeah, definitely the, like making new friends, um, getting to know people and just, you know, really putting myself out there was really fun. And also just like the, uh, the adventures, like the excursions. Um, I, I just like, I did some, I was like, I, while I'm here, like I want to adventure, I want to try to see as much of the country as I can. And I was like, and I, and I want to try to do it as independently as possible, but also like, you know, I, I also like have some cousins in the country. So like, you know, I spent some time with them and I also made some friends who I like went backpacking with and stuff. And I just like, um, like doing like outdoor excursions, like hiking and and surfing and, um, just kind of doing some like cool things and like checking out the, especially the nature because it's such a beautiful country. Um, that was, that was really good fun. And like getting to ride (laughs) back and forth on the train, um, Mm. because it's a, it's a big train country. (laughs) So it's like, uh, that was fun because I had never like ridden like a passenger train, like that before just like through the countryside mm-hmm. and um yeah. you don't have trains in Canada this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> we have some trains depending I mean we have trains but they're not really the common method of transport from like one city to another or anything like that so yeah nothing like Europe definitely or Australia it sounds like <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I I also took advantage and traveled, and I loved how small, how much smaller the UK was compared to Canada. So every Saturday, we would go to a different part of the country, and I I actually visited a ton of cathedrals because that was 
every, every town seemed to have one. <laughs> it was kind of like the touristy thing to do. Um, yeah. In Europe, every town has a church, a church or a cathedral. You can mm-hmm. be sure of that. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere churches or, or cathedrals everywhere. Yeah. I would buy little replicas of the cathedral because I couldn't see what it, like I wanted to kind of touch and feel yeah. what it looked like where I was visiting and get instead Ooh. of a postcard or a photo but yeah I saw a lot. that's actually super cool mm-hmm. and I actually wanted to add one more thing um that was that I really loved while I was in Australia I mean there, I, honestly I could go on and on but I, got, I went to a couple of wildlife sanctuaries and got to like be up close with like some koalas and like some some roos and like uh um I even got to like pet a dingo that was pretty wild um but yeah like just just being able to be up close to the wildlife like that that was wild that sounds scary to me um because I'm a little (laughs) bit of a chicken when it comes to animals but I am curious did you have any encounters with snakes or spiders or any any of those vermin (laughs) (laughs) so actually so when I first got like, um, other people I'd talked to, like I, I told them like my, I was like, Oh, or like Aussies I hung out with. I was like, well, well like what about like the, the snakes and the spiders? And they're like, Oh man, like, don't even worry. They're, they're more scared of you than you are of them. Like, um, which is what we always tell uh, people coming in about bears and stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and they're like, nah, just like tap out your shoes and like, you know, wipe out your bed and stuff like that. Yikes. And, um, <laughs> so when I got there I remember just for some reasons somebody one of my family members like he was like we watched these videos before I left he decided it would be a great idea as a bonding activity for us to watch spiders um on YouTube um in Australia and then uh when I went to Australia for some reason I had this idea that that there was just like there could be spiders in the toilet and and then like somebody told me like in my dorm block like um that there'd been like a red back which is pretty um poisonous in the toilet like a couple days ago and they're like but it's no big deal and I was like that's a big deal to me and like I would go in and like I'd take my cane and I would like slap like the toilet (laughs) (laughs) I like scare away the spiders and I think they all I was insane and then that behavior kind of died out um you know within a month because i learned that actually there really isn't as much um the venomous creatures do actually stay away pretty good and the other thing that i was really comforted by is like in terms of snakes like typically they're not trying to hunt you um and vibration like drives them away so like the the sound of your feet or like i had my cane so Mm -hmm. that made me feel comforted so i was like oh they'll they'll feel the vibration of my cane so they'll know like <laughs> to go away and I but I often wonder to this day like I wonder if there was like snakes and stuff that I just didn't see because right. I wasn't see. <laughs> yeah. I mean sometimes do not see is the best that's, that's true that's so true <laughs> your toilet story reminded me of that was one of the most challenging things of being in the UK was was that how to flush the toilet is so varied. Like sometimes it's a chain hanging from the ceiling, which you wouldn't expect. So like just finding the flusher. <laughs> My God, I am so glad that somebody has this problem too, because I'm like, <laughs> where, why? 
<laughs> it was really hard. I could never found the flusher on one of the trains when I used the washroom on the train. I I'm, apologies to the people who came behind me, but <laughs> I never even knew that was an issue. That's crazy. I've never yeah. been to Europe, so I don't know. Oh, you must go. But yes, good luck with the toilets. And some <laughs> toilets in London, you had to pay to get in to use the toilet. And I accidentally, so I went through and I went into the washroom and I was blinding my way around looking for the stall. And I ended up coming right back out again without going. Oh, like no. I just got all turned around and I didn't find a stall. I just found my way back out. And I was like, wait a minute, but I didn't go. Do I have to pay again? <laughs> oh, no. I think they let me go back in, but yeah, that was an experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, Sarah, did you, were you worried about seeing any wildlife here that you'd never that you don't have back home? Was that a concern of bears or cougars or anything like oh, that? Well, I have a funny story. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes, uh, well, when I go uh, to France houses or something like that, I sometimes I came at home late in the night and I was speaking about this with my mom and she and I was telling her, uh, oh yeah, Nelson is a very safe place. So you don't have you don't have to be worried about that and mm -hmm. she told me yeah nelson is a very safe place except for the bears <laughs> <laughs> i am not concerned about that but my most my mom's most con mo uh, biggest concernation is that i meet a bear when i came uh, at right. the night. <laughs> <laughs> but i think that in this moment uh, bears are sleeping so it's yeah, fine. you're okay now. Although <laughs> I was in Nelson in February once and um, we went dog sledding, which was amazing. But there was there was a cougar in the tree nearby that oh. also was very scary for me. Oh, but man. we have cougars here in the city in Coquitlam. So I don't know. You can't avoid them anymore. <laughs> I, I am very... Um, I when one of the biggest stereotypes about Canada is that uh, you are full of uh, beavers, but right. I have not seen a beaver uh, <laughs> since when I am here. So That's I do actually want to know though, Sarah. Is there anything that you've um, that you've been that you've done in Canada that you haven't been that you aren't able to do at home, or that you were like, oh, this is something really Canadian that I want to do, or just like a new experience? Oh yeah, um, ice skating and the ski for sure. Ooh. Did you go skiing up at Whitewater? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Saturday and uh, Friday. Oh, cool. Nice. Did yeah. you? Is that downhill or cross country? That was the uh, cross country, but uh, Tuesday I will also do downhill for the first time in my life. Oh, oh good, good luck. luck. Yeah, <laughs> so fun. And also, uh, most uh, I don't know. Uh, quiet activity uh, is the gingerbread uh, to make gingerbread houses we oh. don't have this uh, this tradition in italy or in europe so oh cool i, I was very happy to do that well, that's <laughs> nice was was the christmas tradition kind of stuff aside from gingerbread making like was that similar do you do christmas trees or yeah yeah we okay. we probably um we celebrate celebrate Christmas uh, more than here, probably, mm. because Italy is sadly a very religious country. So um, we have uh, 
for us, Christmas is very, very strictly co- correlated to um, Christianity. Right. Well, not for my family, but in general, it is. Okay. Um, so we celebrate it more than here, but you have uh, fancier decorations. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your Christmas lights are uh, prettier, p- prettier than us, than oh, ours. Nice. Good to know. Well, so what's next? I mean, when you go home, Sarah, um, what are you looking forward to? But also, like, what trip do you want to take next? Where, where do you, what's next for you? Well, I, I don't know. I feel that this summer I would really like to do a voluntary service experience abroad. So maybe one month or, or two. I don't know. This is a dream, but I hope to be able to do that. For sure, uh, I don't know where. I mean, maybe in a country where um, they speak English, so I can improve my English because actually it's not so good. Uh, or in France or Germany or I don't know where, but I, I definitely want to um, uh, do a voluntary service service experience this summer. And then uh, in in university, I hope to study abroad. Wow. Yes. So you're, you're not done. You're just going to keep going <laughs> yeah. with the travel. That's cool. And you're, I think your English is fantastic. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> what about you, Keisha? Are you, you got any travel plans? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> as soon as the world allows, I would, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's so many places I want to go. Like I, it's hard to choose, but I, I really, I mean, I definitely would love to go back. Um, back over to Australia and I also would love to go to New Zealand um check that out next time and um like the Indonesia Vietnam kind of that whole area is is cool I would also love to go to Europe though um and uh yeah if I'm ever in Italy I'll have to uh, contact you if you're around Sarah yeah definitely Yes. Oh, me too. I have been wanting to go to Italy forever. That is absolutely on my bucket list. I love pasta. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my absolute favorite food. So I just think I need to go to Italy. Well, thank you so much, both of you for joining me for this conversation. It was so cool to hear about your experiences. Um, I, I think I want to go to Italy, but now I also want to go to Australia. Um, and I'm assured that the snakes are afraid of me more than, as much as, or more than I'm afraid of them. So that's, that's encouraging. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you too. Yeah. Thank you. And it's also so great to talk with you, Sarah. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca. And also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.